Hi there. My name is Latoya Johnston, and I am the Partnerships Coordinator at BRIC. The Partnerships team collaborates with nonprofit organizations, community groups, citywide, and local cultural events throughout the year. One of our major initiatives is MediaShare. BRIC MediaShare is a New York Emmy-winning in-kind grant program. What does that mean? It's an education and production grant for Brooklyn-based nonprofits to learn how to create and use media. Over a 10 to 12 month period, selected organizations take classes as a cohort and are paired one-on-one -on -one with the producing mentor. Together, staff from the nonprofits and their mentors collaborate to bring new and important audio and video stories to life. On this podcast, we talk with past media share grantees and other community partners about their work and their experience making media projects. Plus, we'll hear what they're working on now. Today, we are talking with Boys Hope, Girls Hope of New York, one of 10 organizations that were selected for the 2018 cycle of MediaShare. We are so excited to have them on as today's guests on the Community Partnerships Podcast. Please introduce yourself and tell us what your primary role is at Boys Hope, Girls Hope. Hi, my name is Martin Torres. I am the Dean of Residential and Student Life for LaSalle Hall, which is our boys program. Um, I've been with the organization for eight years, and uh, thank you for having us. This has been a great privilege and an honor, so thank you to everyone here. Thank you for coming. And my name is Chelsea Pittman. I'm the Senior Development Manager at Boys Hope, Girls Hope of New York, so I primarily handle fundraising and communications um, and media on behalf of the organization. I've been there for two years now. So for those who don't know anything about Boys Hope, Girls Hope, can you tell us more about the program, the initiatives? Yeah. Uh, I'll start then. <laughs> uh, so Boys Hope, Girls Hope of New York. So we're one of 16 affiliates across the United States and Latin America. Um, we're headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and we're the oldest and largest affiliate. So we currently have a little around 70 scholars currently in the program. We have a capacity for 90. But like the other affiliates, they may have just like one house with like eight kids. So it can look very different depending on the affiliate and what we do. Um, so our goal is to basically take youth in need across New York City. Um, and need could be a variety of things. It could be their neighborhood. It could be the schools that they're zoned for aren't up to par. We basically bring them into our program. They live with us five days out of the week. And we provide kind of the structures, support, um, as well as the academic aspect of it. We have a robust academic program and kind of an involved college access program. And our goal is to get them through college. So not only just graduating high school, but also we provide support while they're in college as well. Yeah, and um, with our affiliate being so large and dealing with the realities of New York City, um, we have a great opportunity to really work with um, the, the scholars, their families in a very direct, intimate way to really get them to support what they need holistically. And um, the buzzword, the buzz line we always use for admissions is like, if you're academically motivated and there's some demonstrated need, uh, we, we try our best to find those scholars. Just to, so they work, they work very hard, all 70 of our young men and young women, to be great students, um, to be uh, community leaders, to be uh, people for others and to be a scholar and 
in every sense of the word. Like we don't just call them students, we don't call them boys or girls, because we want to instill in them that um, this this process, the learning process, is lifelong. So they'll always be a scholar for us, um, and it starts as early as eighth grade when they walk into our doors. So um, being able to to tell our story and learn ways to, you know, express um, these different moments that we have with our with our scholars are really important to us and we want to find every way to empower them. So take us through some of the benefits of being a student in this unique type of program. Well, with we are one of one of a kind in that we are a residential boarding program. Um, so some scholars have the opportunity to not just learn how to live on their own and but also have the ability to go home on weekends. Um, and that's that model is very different than than most uh, boarding programs and most of our affiliates, and that allows the connection to the family, that allows the opportunity for them to learn how to be in a community. Um, you know, LaSalle Hall is our boys' residence, and Macaulay Hall is our girls' residence, and they live they live there in the dorm, and we try to style it as much as we can similar to a college dorm. We want our our scholars to. You know, know how it is to get on campus, mm-hmm. to be prepared for it in every sense of the word. Uh, Chelsea mentioned the, the robust college access program that we start. It starts as early as November, their freshman year. They're visiting colleges. They're meeting representatives from those organiz- from those institutions. Um, they're working on assessments and assignments based to kind of test their knowledge. So from the moment they step on our campus, they're learning to uh, be, be on their own. Because mm-hmm. you know there's going to be about ten freshmen with them, first first year scholars, and learn how to live on their own, um, learn how to professionally network. Because we have a we have our residential counselors who are responsible for their day to day, but uh, Chelsea and I, as programming staff, we try to be professional mentors as well. So they have to learn to navigate those um, navigate those waters from day one, and we hold them to a very high academic standard. We provide them as much support as possible, but we hold them to a standard. Um, and all those benefits academically, socially, um, don't happen if we don't have the emotional part of it as well. Like, uh, we would try to build a community, a uh, community of empathy, of understanding, and um, that it's a holistic approach. So yeah. we try to provide, um, I've, I use that word a lot, but mm-hmm. um, try to provide everything that we can because we also want to make sure that they're well. So that could, we have... Um, on-site art, art therapists um, and other wellness opportunities um, like this past Sunday, no, I'm sorry, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, um, we had a local local businesswoman come in and lead a mindfulness meditation class just to help with anxiety. And there's a lot of opportunities that we're constantly trying to find here. Mm-hmm. Just anything that we can do to help the kids. Yeah, and I'd just like to piggyback off of, because we're a very college-focused program, obviously, so I think it's important to note that it's a voluntary program as well for both the scholar, for the family, and that the scholar, when they come into the program, we definitely try to make sure that they want to go to college. Like, this is a desire for them, and we're just here to help them get there by kind of filling in the gaps of whatever resources and opportunities that they wouldn't be able to get on their own. Mm Mm-hmm. So speaking of the parents and the family, how do you keep them involved in their child's studies, being that they're not there in the home every day? Well, yeah. we have our advisory system. So each um, each scholar has uh, each scholar class has a specific advisor, residential counselor, and they have to 
constantly reach out about any any sort of updates, good and bad, and checking in constantly because, um, as as Chelsea said, it's a voluntary program. Each level of communication has to be there. The scholar has to communicate with the parent. The parent has to communicate with us. We have to communicate with the scholar, and every which way of that triangle. So, um, scholar families are constantly involved. In terms of, we call them as much as we can. We text, email, find whatever way to do so. Not just for the good, bad things, but for the good. Um, we they're always invited to um, our monthly events. Like for example, next Friday, we're having um, a scholar uh, a family potluck. Mm-hmm. So all families and all scholars are, are invited just to enjoy Thanksgiving together. And we try to have those events so they could be a part of our community. And um, this is a huge sacrifice for the families. You know, like. Having their having their little boy or little girl come into our dorm and be away from them, be away from their full structure, and then putting their trust in this um, structure with um, all these other with all their peers is a big responsibility. And I, the parents have are a great support, um, and it's always important to be constantly involved. So we try to have these events. We communicate with them. Um, you know, I send emails every day. We try to send pictures and everything about what's going on because when when they go home on Friday afternoon, we want them to know what they accomplished that week, what mm-hmm. were their struggles that week. And also so they know that they always have, um, you know, they always have a voice in, in whatever goes on because we're fu- we're effectively raising them in some ways five days a week. So uh, with the responsibility of our residential counselors, our programming staff as mentors, as providing the, the structures and the modules and the op- initiatives and the opportunities, and then they go home to their families and tell them how, how, what they did. And that's a big, big role. And you accept kids from all over, from all boroughs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we always try to find as many, we're trying to expand as much as we can because you know, New York is a huge city and there is great needs across all all boroughs, all communities to deal with educational gaps, to deal with wealth gaps, to deal with uh, disparities in uh, and accessibility issues. So we've a lot of our scholars do come from the South Bronx and um, Harlem just because those are the areas where they seems to be most affected by that. And we're expanding out as much as we can to outer boroughs as well. Just, you know, sometimes it is harder for some parents don't want their boy to go all the way yeah, down to Brooklyn. Yeah, it's a lot because <laughs> they have to be in the dorm by 7 p.m. on Sundays, yeah. right? So it, it can be a lot if you're in, like, Westchester. Yeah. I'm not from New York, so mm-hmm. I don't know what those cities are. But outside of the boroughs, it can be yeah. difficult for some of those families to get here on Sunday evening and for those events that Martin is talking about, like report card night we just had this week and last week, which happens quarterly once they get report cards. And that's an opportunity for the families to come in speak with the scholar, the the dean, the, ac- the director of academic success, along with their scholar's advisor, and they get a whole holistic picture, both their grades and behaviorally and social, emotional, like how they're doing in the dorm for that quarter. So for the parents who are listening to this podcast and they're interested in having their children be in this um, unique boarding school program, take us through the day in the life of a young scholar. Like, what are their, from the time that they wake up mm-hmm. to the time that they go to bed? So our scholars um, have the privilege of dorming right next to their respective partner schools. Um, so for the boys at LaSalle Hall, they all attend Bishop Lachlan in Fort Greene. Uh, the, 
the female scholars at Macaulay Hall, all 10, Crystal Ray, Brooklyn, and Flatbush. So they would wake up in the morning. Um, there's one counselor on staff making sure they're up, in uniform, ready to go. Um, you know, we make sure breakfast is prepared. Um, we have we have a lot of great volunteers and staff that s- support us in those ventures, making sure they have what they need and get ready for school, make sure they pack their lunch. And during the school day, um, you know, they're right next door. So, but for the for the deans and the directors of academics, we are constantly checking in with them at school. Um, I know I get the I get calls from the deans and the assistant principals. It's good, bad, or indifferent checking in. So it's it's that level of uh, access and support um, during the school day as well. They're not just out to try. Mm-hmm. And we and our partner schools have been great with us, kind of like pop in and see how they're doing. So like I'll, I could walk next right next door and just like oh um, is everything all right? I got a call. Is everything good? And that extra level of support, even though you know the families are very far away, but. They check in after school. Uh, we, we they give them a modicum of free time is what we call it. Just you know, you got to go to the store. You want to hang out with some friends. Uh, you got practice. You know, take that time a little bit. Be mm-hmm. a teenager. We got to know where you are. You got to know where you are. That's the big thing. You know, making sure that they check in. And we constantly we have we have about 34, 35 at each respective dorm. So it's a lot of a lot of little little kids to track sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, they have that free time, and then they come back to the dorm uh, late in the afternoon for quiet hours. Uh, we usually ha- use that time for some tutoring. Uh, we use that time for art therapy and op- art therapy as well as just open studio art workshops. Um, and just usually that's nap time for the kids after <laughs> like a long day of class, um, a long day of class or practice and whatever that looks like. And then we all join together for dinner as, as, a, as a unit. Uh, we call it our community time. You know, everyone has to be there. Everyone has to be attentive. We give thanks for the food. We reflect on the day, have dinner. The scholars do their chores right afterwards. You know, clean up the kitchen, clean up their rooms, clean up their spaces because each each dorm is about four flights, so it's a big space. So, and um, right afterwards, a study hall, two hours proctored by two of our res- residential staff. Uh, we make they have access to the computer labs at the school. They have access to all different types of, uh, we, we provide them with academic portfolios just to also so support and supplement their academic needs. And that's already nine o'clock. So they all, we all come together, we have our floor meeting, we talk about the day, you know, we, we say, you know, make sure it's a moment to get everything off their chest before they go to bed uh, and give thanks for the day and hope for a better tomorrow. Lights out by 1030. And that's a t- typical traditional day um, obviously, we're we're there as residential supports, making sure that they were supposed to be. Hey, you have tutoring at three thirty. Be sure to be there on time. Hey, you have your internship. You got to leave here at four. Oh, you got practice. What time does that end? So we constantly are involved in that way. But in addition to what we do, um, that's a typical day. But weekly, we have weekly programming. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on Tuesdays we have our cover to cover literacy initiative. So it's a book club with the class. We bring in volunteers. We br- some staff sit in. And participate. Usually, we try to find books that are applicable to, you know, this day and age, to the communities that they live in. Um, usually, stories about youth and development. You know, a lot of black and brown stories, but also a lot of stories coming of age. Something that's um, more less traditional that that what they would get in school. It's not always like catching the rye. Yeah. But <laughs> we always want them to kind of learn to love the the art 
that's around them, the, the literature that's around them. This upcoming Thursday, they're actually doing presentations. So they do presentations about what the book they read, and a lot of them do skits. Some have done poetry. Some have done art pieces. So we want to have that all congealed and like, okay, what did you learn and what did that mean to you? And that's why literacy is so important because we always want them to read. It's great that you are prepping them for college mm-hmm. because you need that preparation before you go to college. Like, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And this is great that there's a program like this in Brooklyn that's offering it to um, Brooklynites and people from the Bronx and Queens. You know, this is great. And it's just, it's, we all kind of have that in us, right? We all remember how we were when we were 14, 15. And, you know, like, you felt alone, you felt confused, you felt angry, you didn't understand. And, you know, we are very structured and we're, we try to be, a, we have to hold them accountable. You know, like I would say, like, a disi- being disciplined avoids disciplinary actions. Mm-hmm. So, right, if you do the same thing consistently, if you're making your bed, if you're waking up on time, that leads to less issues. So we have that, but we also have all these amazing educational opportunities that they kind of learn to love. Like no one, like it's 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 yeah. hard. Fourteen don't really love. They're like, I don't want to do that. But then after they do it, like even with our project with the with the media share, mm-hmm. and we were interviewing the scholars, just hearing them talk back about their time, like what they learned from cover to cover, what they learned from service learning in action. It's like even though they're at the time, they're like. I have to go to this. Yeah, like I'm, they're clearly getting something from it, and they're taking away what we want them to take away from it. So yeah, in our great you mentioned that because in our media share uh, project, we use we use seniors for to kind of discuss everything, and um, even like you saw like when we were recording, it, it was like, oh wow, we did that. Yeah. That was that was kind of fun, and I could tell you for a fact, being in there, they didn't look like they were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, mm-hmm. but. It's, it's about being, it's also being consistently there for them because you can't judge someone when they're 14 and having a bad day, but providing that support for them in, in a conscious, emotional wellness mindset, we're not yelling at them. We're not drill sergeants. I tell, I, I try to tell the staff like, you know, we're not, we're not your father. You know, we're not trying to be your mother. You got, you got that, whatever that means to you. The word counselor is there is to be a counselor, is to be a mentor, is to guide you. You know, yeah, we have. If, if you disappoint us, we'll let you know. Sometimes we're gonna get angry because if you do something, like, you know, teenagers are still teenagers. No mm-hmm. one's perfect. We gotta hold them accountable. But um, the community that we build and the trust that we build in the families and in the scholars eventually kind of like it, uh, it all makes sense. And it's it's um, Chelsea alluded to our report card night and our families come in and. We talk about academics and we talk about behavior and, you know, parents could be upset, you know, with us, with them, whatever. But it's a conversation and everyone's actively involved in it. And, you know, even with even with our scholars, it's like, you know, sometimes it has to be a conversation, not a debate. But I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. And that's that's kind of a level we try to establish where it's like that's how trust is built. You you met me three months ago. I'm not going to act like your father. You met this counselor three months ago. You shouldn't be acting like your big brother. But as as Boys Hope, Girls Hope, residential counselors, we just try to be that mentor and the best version of ourselves so the scholars can be the best version of themselves. Great. So let's shift gears for a minute and talk about the Media Share yeah. program. How did 
you guys hear about the program? Um, our managing director at the time, Anuma, I think she just like got it like an email notification or she saw something and she forwarded and was like, this looks cool. So I applied. <laughs> um, but it did look like a really great opportunity, both like professionally, um, to be able to gain these media skills because they're so necessary these days, um, particularly in my role at the organization. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how we got involved with it. And I asked Martin. Yeah. And, and. When Chelsea asked me about it, it was always something I was kind of interested in. Um, you know, my friend was working on building his own little portfolio up, and like I was just helping him out with some things. So I'm like, you know what? Let me, you know, I'd like to learn some skills. You know, like he's a, you know, my friend Elijah. He, and he has his own podcast network. He's trying to correct. I'm like, you know, I kind of want to be on that too. So let me learn some <laughs> skills, like mm-hmm. selfishly, but also like um, I do love um, finding ways to kind of tell the story. Um, Chelsea and I worked together a lot, a lot of these kind of projects, um, and I personally always enjoyed talking about what our organization can offer mm-hmm. and kind of c- continuing that story because we need more outlets so we could bring in more kids and bring in more more applicants because I think we could all we could always serve more and do more, and uh, me- MediaShare really gave us the opportunity to do that. So, what classes did you take while you were part of the program? Mobile filmmaking, mm. um, editing in Adobe, uh, video production in the field. Yeah, effective B-roll. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, there was a couple other ones. I probably looked at the catalog. Probably was like <laughs> yeah. number two or three. Um, but yeah, they were, they were All great. the classes that were offered. <laughs> <laughs> so why was it important for Boys Hope, Girls Hope to have someone on staff trained in media? Well... Even though we do so much in our organization, our affiliate is the oldest. We were founded in 1979, so we're 40 years old this year. Um, not that many people know about us, mm-hmm. um, particularly, like, in our neighborhood. Like, even uh, Julie had said, like, oh, we're down the street and I'd never heard of you before. And I'm like, we hear that a lot, <laughs> especially because we do so much and we're so involved within our scholars' lives and in their families' lives. Um, kind of the depth of what we do is pretty grand. Mm. Um, and we want we wanted to be able to tell that story because when we do so much, it's it's get kind of stale to just like write about it all the time. Also, it's a lot of words. <laughs> like people <laughs> resonate more with video, with seeing the kids in action, um, with seeing the staff in action and being able to have the tools to kind of prevent that, uh, present that, whether it's in a longer five minute video or like a 30 second clip for something. I think that those really resonate and go a long way. So share with us one important thing you both learned during the Media Share program. The most important part for me uh, was just how to stage and just even think about video production. Uh, just sitting, uh, Isela was our um, or our mentor. Was mm-hmm. that the yeah, mentor? Um, and sitting with her and Chelsea, just like, all right, what do we want to do? And just seeing the way it was mapped out, and like I could be a little scatterbrained. So just to see how like this grand idea can be consolidated into a page. And how those pages can create the next action. It kind of takes every. It took everything, like like Chelsea said. We do so much, and sometimes you just you just gotta like bring it all together. And do you look at TV differently now? I definitely look at production <laughs> differently now. Um, you know, we we're right down the road in Fort Greene, so they're always mm-hmm. doing like video video production. There's always shoots, and I always just kind of a movie being shot uh, right now with J Lo in it. <laughs> 
oh, <laughs> at okay, our school. Cool. Yeah, like <laughs> so, like our entire block is like full of production trucks, like around the corner. So it makes me it makes me view that a little differently. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway I had was just being able to see kind of every process or every part of the process to get to the finished product. Um, yeah, it just opened my eyes to kind of. I don't know, all that goes into just a three to five minute video. And also, I don't know, I feel like I, I even just learning the skills, like in general, now I feel like I can do it on the fly if I need to, or I know the mindset that I need to think about something. And the first time around when we had like our first like draft video, um, we had to, you know, reconvene with Julie mm. and talk about it and Izella because it didn't necessarily paint the picture that we, the story that we were trying to tell for this particular video. And every, like all that feedback that I got, I was like, yeah, I, I saw that when yeah. I watched it. I, I was like, yeah, it, it does tell us about the program, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. all about decision it was day. It's like when we're sitting right yeah. there. And <laughs> I remember that so vividly because it's just like, we spent all this time shooting and we came up with the questions and then we put, like, we felt very good about it. And then just sitting there and just like, no, this, like it clicked. It's like, okay, we had, we, we, like, like I said, we had so much and we had to, we just had to get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was very interesting to see how that, how that production process went um, for something so simple and we worked so hard on. And then it's just like, we did a good job with this, but there's a next level we have to take it. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a direct, there's a stream of consciousness that has to be there. And, um, you know, it was it was disappointing. I mean, we we spent so much time, but at the same time, I felt like this was so worth it just to sit down and have have that moment, and really kind of guided the rest of our process. So, talk to us. I remember being a part of your brainstorm session where you guys wanted to do so much stuff, <laughs> and we had narrowed it down to decision day. Yeah. Talk to talk to us about that. So, um, you know, we are responsible for these young men and young women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means we got to make sure that they're healthy, you know, they're eating well, they're sleeping, that they're drinking water, that they're not doing anything crazy. You know, we got to make sure the academics are in order. They're doing homework, making sure that, that they're uh, prepared for tests, that they're dealing with whatever text anxi- test anxiety. Um, then social emotions, so many things can happen, family issues. Um, family issues, stressors at home, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. And then just general wellness is just like, I'm anxious and I don't know why. So all of those things we try to encounter for the individual, for the grade, for the dorm at large. That's a lot. It gives us a lot to work with. Yeah, it's a lot. Because I think initially it was like the initial idea that I applied with was a day in the life of a yeah. Boys Hope, Girls Hope scholar. But like you were just explaining, that explores a lot and it varies from scholar to scholar. Um, so... Yeah, we just have a lot of material because we do so much with the scholars and we wanted to capture all of that because all of it plays an important part for the whole. But it's very difficult to (laughs) do all of that in like three minutes. Um, And decision day being that it was a it's kind of a culmination Mm -hmm. of the previous four years of everything else that we're doing. It's the time for our scholars get to shine. Like they made their college choice. They're walking down the the steps. They're revealing with their hoodies what school they're going to go to. Um, I felt like I guess we felt like that was probably it captures everything that Mm -hmm. we're trying to to show without showing like the day to day necessarily. But it's like the end or the beginning of the their new journey, I mm-hmm. guess. So what are some of the events that Boys Hope, Girls Hope has planned for this school year? 
Well, um, I know I, you mentioned the potluck the family event. Potluck. Yeah. Um, you know, that's our upcoming one. We have a weekend programming slate. So every month, um, the programming staff plans events for the entire community. The scholars stay over one Saturday a month and provide with some sort of academics or arts enrichment program. So um, this upcoming month, we try to spend our Friday as a community today. So um, with Thanksgiving coming up, we want to celebrate families. We want them to be a part of it. So they're bringing food. We have some awards to distribute. We have um, just a general Thanksgiving thankful time. But that also leads into our Saturday uh, museum trips. Um, we always try to find different type every, every year to, to start off. We try to find museums locally to take all of our scholars to by grade and they have an art assessment um, to do. So like, what what interests you here? Why did you like this? What what was, what techniques did you find? What did you learn? What didn't you like? Just a kind of way to inter- interact with art with their peers. So we're um, working with uh, Brooklyn Museum, um, working with uh, the Guggenheim, we've worked with Matt and MoMA in years past. We're still trying to solidify some of that now, but. Um, those are kind of the most recent ones that we try to have everyone together and celebrate. Um, Chelsea and I last year worked on a career day, so we. Um, that we, happens typically around February, yeah. February March, in uh, each year, I guess now. Yeah, that was like our first. That was right before media, sh- like right after media share, we went to career day. So that was another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another one we worked on together. In December we have our holiday party for the scholars, which is also another like award ceremony because we have value awards where. Um, you award, like I don't work in the dorm. <laughs> well, I work in the dorm, but I don't like work at the scholars necessarily. But we have certain value awards that we award to each scholar after every quarter, and the scholars get very excited yeah. about that. <laughs> like they're screaming and cheering on their friends, and yeah. you know, for the seniors or the dean's list, actually mm-hmm. for the holiday party, they get like a special table. They get like um, sparkling cider on their table, and they get served. You know, just to show them that we appreciate their hard work and everything like that. So that happens in December, yeah, right then, before their Christmas break. And then we also have them in December go to um, Sister Mary's ho- not Halloween, uh, Christmas on the Street, which is a event in Harlem where it's a clothing and food drive that our scholars participate in every year. So they go from the holiday party, like Chelsea mentioned, to this um, event uptown where it's just serving about 400 under underserved families with warm meal, um, warm clothes and just warm attitude. So we try to have that duality. We, we definitely want them to, to feel celebrated and feel acknowledged and have a good time and just um, be a part of the community, but also be engaged, actively engaged in the arts, actively engaged in their own education, but also actively engaged in community service and leadership because, you know, we're, we're a tried and true nonprofit and um, we don't want them to be grateful for what, what they have and we're grateful for what we have. But no matter what our circumstances are, we always have to be thinking about giving back, thinking about uh, not just to your, the person who's going to come down the line, but people in our communities and people in our city who always need that and understand the privileges that we have. So there's a multitude of events that we want to celebrate, but Decision Day felt like the culmination of everything that we worked for. Mm. It's a celebration of their successes, their trials and tribulations, and a reflection of the four years they spent with us. So it felt like the perfect way to kind of encapsulate that feeling of like, instead of a day in the life, like how let's highlight how they feel when they're pretty much done being a, a high school scholar. They become collegians after that. But um, 
how's that feel in that moment? I think I think we got that across in in our in our piece. Yeah, and that happens May first every year. That's National Decision Day, so it corresponds with the every I guess high school senior across the country that's deciding what college they're going to. And then every year, kind of our large fundraising event that we do is our Vision of Hope dinner, and that'll take place May seventh, twenty twenty, this year. Um, and that's when, you know, our board gets really involved and it's just like kind of our huge biggest fundraiser for the year. It happens at Cipriani 42nd Street this year, Cipriani Wall Street in past years. And we have a Vision of Hope honoree who is someone who's typically in the financial sector but has like a long kind of resume of philanthropy and working with like kind of what our program does. Um, and we also honor um, an Ann and Wellington Mara Award um, to another, usually awarded to a, f- a football player on the New York Giants, um, who also is very involved in the community. Well, the team at Boys Hope, Girls Hope is doing a lot of amazing work. And is there anything you guys would like to share with our listeners? Any last words? Um, I just want to thank everyone here at Brick. Um you know, Latoya, you've been so helpful, and Julie and Isela, and the whole, the whole crew here. Because, you know, I, I really wanted to learn here, and I felt like in having this down the road from you know my job and where I live, it really cre- gave me an opportunity to kind of want to create more. And you know, it's been a privilege. Like this, this grant was a privilege, and I know we've earned through the hard work of Chelsea and her team, but. Um, I've always seen this as a great privilege for myself because uh, this is always something I wanted to learn, having the access and having this kind of organization nearby and feel so supportive and um, through my through the process, the, the collaborative process, but also anything I need individually has been outstanding. So like, and I think a lot more people need to need to know about what, what y'all do here. And um, one thing I wanted to highlight is one of our, one of our, uh, male scholars, uh, Yotam, is part of the um, arts fellowship here. So he comes here every Thursday, and oh wow, that's he, great. He and he applied and he to see how excited he is about the process because he's a skater and he wants to he wants to you know learn how to film and and shoot shoot photography and talking about the conversations that he has, seeing how excited he is to have that opportunity is great is great for him because I feel like that's going to be a motivating factor and and having brick nearby for those kind of opportunities not just for us to kind of broadcast our messages but for our scholars and just for the community at large has been great so I really do appreciate all the work that everyone here has done ditto (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah just thank you all so much for everything that you do it's so like it's so great to have like accessible media classes Um, and like Martin said it's like right down the road and I live in Brooklyn so I just love the fact that this organization exists here. (laughs) Please tell our audience where they can find more information about Boys Hope, Girls Hope. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash B-H-G-H-N-Y. Same thing on Instagram at B-H-G-H-N-Y or visit our website at www.bhghny.org. We're everywhere. A big thank you to our guests today, Chelsea Pittman and Martin Torres from Boys Hope, Girls Hope, and to Jose Astorga, my audio engineer and key member of the Brick Operations team. To watch the videos Boys Hope, Girls Hope created with MediaShare, go to the Brooklyn Free Speech YouTube channel and click on MediaShare 
click on the MediaShare 2018 cohort playlist. Applications for the next round of MediaShare will be open in early 2020. Brooklyn Free Speech is the public access television station and podcast network for the borough of Brooklyn. We air over 650 hours of TV shows, films, and shorts created by Brooklyn-based community producers that reflect their perspective on the world. Please check us out.